0: Welcome to the Partial Historians. We explore all the details of ancient Rome. Everything from the political scandals, the love affairs, the battles waged, and when
1: citizens turn against each other. I'm Dr. Rad. And I'm Dr. G. We consider Rome as the Romans saw it by reading different authors from the ancient past and comparing their stories. Join us as
0: we trace the journey of Rome from the founding of the city. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Rad.
1: And I'm Dr. G. And what a thrill it is to be here for this episode. I know. So we have been
0: tracing the history of Rome from the founding of the city. And last episode was kind of a turning point. So let's do a bit of a recap, shall we, Dr. G? Oh,
1: yes. So we've had this really sort of quite dramatic moment for the Romans in terms of how they think about their politics. Yes. And for Livy and Dionysus of Halicarnassus, this issue has been framed around class struggle Mm. patricians versus plebeians and we've had this play for power from the plebeians being like we would like actually to be part of the consulship that might be nice and while you're at it we'd
0: also like to be able to marry patricians because it seems a bit like segregation otherwise
1: it is awkward (laughs) yeah um, to be ruled by people and for there to be no class mobility yes exactly And this has led to what appears to be a very dastardly plan on the half of the patrician side where they're like, look, it would be absolutely a sacred travesty (laughs) to allow the plebeians to be consuls. Because it's not just a magistracy of law, it has a ritual component. There are relationships with the gods to be maintained. Get your filthy little plebeian Pull us off the consulship. You're tainted. You can't be part of this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is an us thing, not a we thing. Mm. Yeah,
1: And so the patricians are a bit like that. And on the other hand, they've decided that the crisis is so overwhelming because Rome is basically facing war on every side. True. <laughs> surrounded by potential enemies and they really need to raise an army. And they're like, we need the plebeians involved because we've got to have fodder on the field. Yeah. And they are also much larger group than we are (laughs) and in order to do that they need to field more than two armies because usually consuls will lead an army each but two armies is not going to be enough so they've got a numbers issue both at the command level and at the rank and file soldier level definitely and they're like how are we going to solve that and they come up with a plan the patricians come up with a cunning plan (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh
1: sorry that's evil <laughs> well you know what i think uh, just it, i think it goes i think it goes so. i think you're in very safe territory <laughs> <laughs> and this cunning plan is to take the concept of the military tribune yes who is a figure who is kind of selected as they get brought into the army to lead a small group yeah and to give them consular power mm. not the whole bag they don't get to be consuls well, you don't get the title No, the title is the thing. You don't get the title. (laughs) You don't get the capacity to move into the Senate later on in your career. Mm. But if you're a military tribune with consular power, yeah, a bit of a mouthful, I know, but uh, the Romans are into that kind of thing. (laughs) And if you hold that position, what happens then is that all of a sudden you've got the capacity to create more numerous armies, more than two. Yes. And you can send them out in any direction you need to and get the stuff done because they will have the legitimate legal authority to lead an army. And we spoke last time about how whilst our sources are very much
0: pushing the idea that this is part of the conflict of the orders, and this is a turning point in the relationship between the patricians and the plebeians and how they see themselves belonging to the Roman state, etc. What most historians definitely see as being the case is that this is also part of just the evolution of Rome as a state in terms of, obviously, governments change and systems change as circumstances and, you know, demographics change. And so, you know, sure, Rome does seem to have been going through a tough period if we look at other types of evidence like archaeological evidence. And so it's possible that Rome did need to have a sort of regroup moment where they thought, hmm, how is this all going to work for Rome now rather than Rome, say, you know, 50 to
1: 100, maybe even a couple of hundred years ago? And we're seeing that sense in which Rome is in a constant state of change. Yes. And obviously this runs in direct contrast to the things that the patricians really like, which is tradition and stability. (laughs) imagine imagine <laughs> <laughs> in 2022 the, those
0: words they just seem so alien coming out of your mouth tradition and stability <laughs> okay. that is what we will
1: provide <laughs> patricians <laughs> yeah so
0: this decision to allow for military tribunes with consular authority as well as the fact that they did indeed overturn this marriage law which forbid the intermarriage of patricians and plebeians apparently Um, it does actually appease the plebeians in Livy's account, so that does actually It is balm to the wound, (laughs) you know.
1: in what Livy thinks about this because it plays out in a very particular way in Dionysius of Halicarnassus and I definitely want to tell you about it but I'm keen to understand what Livy's perspective is. Okay so Essentially, the way that it
0: starts to unfold is that there are these elections which take place, obviously, once they've decided that this can be a thing. And the idea is that you could choose three of these tribunes with consular power. So lots of plebeians are running around trying to rally support for themselves because they're just so excited.
1: <laughs> they're like, oh my God, I could do it! I could do it! I'm going to the prom!
0: <laughs> they're wearing their toga candidas. I think you get a slight. Patrician bias coming through Livy's account. Not you know, not that, you know, but yeah, it, it is that sort of upper class bias, I should perhaps say, where he's kind of like, ew, <laughs> you know, I can't believe that this is happening. It's so demeaning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he obviously sees these people as being troublemakers the way that he talks about them. He's like, ugh, these troublemakers, you know, they've done nothing but bad things for the state, and look at them in their Turga candidas, It's revolting. Anyway, the patricians... Nobody's
1: fooled. Nobody's fooled. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The patricians are looking around as well in kind of horror and I think they're a bit lost. It's like they've been punched in the face and then someone ran away Um, because there's so much plebeian competition because they're all so excited and because they're bringing so much energy because it's their first election, guys. And they think, oh, God, do we really want to, like, I don't know, like, work with plebeians? That seems not ideal. And so... They're not so keen on standing for office. They're kind of like, you know, I might just take myself out of this situation.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) I don't need to stand this year. I'm out.
0: Yeah, it's not my thing. The patrician... The leading patricians, I should say, however, they're like, guys, you can't just step aside and let the plebeians run the show. That would look like the patricians are just giving up on Rome altogether and out of the government. So <laughs> I don't like it anymore and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, they end up being convinced that, yeah, yeah, I suppose we have to represent. Mm. And then, of course, it, this is all just farcical because when the election actually rolls around, it shows that people... Just wanted the option of having a plebeian to rule the state. What? <laughs> I know, because the people all elect patricians to be these military tribunes, <gasps> according to Larry's account.
1: This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. It's, look, it's a bit. Mm. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, that's kind of how it all unfolds in, in Libby's account. How?
1: What an anti-climax! I have to say. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's gonna it's gonna
0: get worse in the next year. This is just rounding off four forty five. All right, all <laughs> yeah.
1: right. So to that end in comparison, there seems to be a good synergy and parallel between Livy and Dionysius of Halicarnassus. Okay. Basically, the people, the plebeians love this idea of yes. this military tribute with consular power. Like, this is their way in. And they're like, yes, take that opportunity with both hands. Yes. People do heaps of canvassing. They're having a great time. But The plebeians kind of look at their own going around and nominating themselves for the position and being like you're an idiot I would never vote for you (laughs) I've been out with you on camp just not gonna happen (laughs) I've seen what you've done and so even though the plebeians are now sort of like looking at their own with the possibility of being able to vote them in they can't bring themselves to do it oh god and so I mean it's just massive dramatic irony I think um because we've got this situation where They're like, oh, well, actually, I mean, I'm going to vote for who I think is the best candidate. And lo and behold, it turns out that they all vote for patricians. They've got more experience. They've been in the role before. You know, they've had that high level command or whatever. They come from a distinguished military family. So, you know, presumably being a good general has been passed down through the ages. Yeah, yeah. And it's just baffling. Having said that, some of the names that come through for this... We have not seen before. Ooh, are we going to go into 444 BCE? Well, not
0: yet, no. Oh, really? Okay, the names for mine are in 444 BCE, and I was going to do a little doodly-doo-doo-doo.
1: Let's do a little doodly-doo anyway. <laughs> I think it's a good time for a doodly-doo. Okay. for you okay i've got candidates men of distinction namely aulus sempronius Ateratinus. yeah that's a weird name yeah mm. Ataratin- ataratinus uh, ataratinus yeah lucius Attilius luscus mm. <laughs> bit of a mouthful as well i hate those Roman names that sound like mucus <laughs>
0: <laughs> and titus cloelius siculus I also have those names down in my account. And even though they are allegedly all patrician, some of those names, Dr. G.
1: Some of these names we have not seen before holding high office. So there might be some speculation to be had about who these people really are. Yeah. But that's nevertheless what we're told. Indeed. Dionysius then does this weird thing, and mm-hmm. it's, it comes through in the translation. So I don't know if I should blame him directly or, or blame the translator. <laughs> but he calls these men that assume pro power. power. Oh. But there's a bit of a mistake here. So yeah. I want to just give a bit of a pause, because this is a term that people hear all the time when they're, they're doing Roman history pro consular power what is that exactly i don't think we've really talked about that because that comes in much later comes in much later yeah yeah. so it's really misplaced here and that should be the first flag definitely that when we're not in the period of history where we understand pro consular power to be happening no and yet it creeps in in dionysius because we've got this bit of a retrojection happening this is how he's understanding it or interpreting it for his audience to appreciate what this power is.
0: Well, I can see the similarity with military tribunes with consular power and what a proconsul essentially has. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when we're talking about pro-consular power, it comes from the Latin phrase pro-consule, mm-hmm. which means instead of the consuls. Right. That's essentially its basic thing. So they're a state official who exercises consular power. So that is imperium. Yes. So that's the, the basic side of things, not the ritual side of things. Yep outside of the city Mm -hmm. but importantly they're not allowed to consult the auspices right so they can't look for special signs which would track
0: with what military tribunes with consular authority was trying to avoid in the first place which is plebeians doing things like taking the auspices
1: well the thing is that as far as we can tell the military tribunes with consular power could consult the auspices interesting
0: well then why not just make them consuls? Never. <laughs> what the
1: hell? <laughs> That's not how it works at all. Oh, God. Rome. Rome. It's, the thing is that the military tribunes with consular power is all about keeping, placating the plebeians, yes. but also keeping them out of class advancement. So yes, okay. not being able to get into the Senate, yeah, not yeah. being able to progress by stealth, as it were, into the patrician class. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. You, whoa, you didn't see me. I'm in the patrician class.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm all just in black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have none of that. The patricians don't want that. Yeah. But they do have the capacity to do this auspice side of things. Consulting okay. the organs is something they're allowed to do apparently. That was just... Okay.
0: The reason why I'm confused is because in case nobody remembers from our f- previous episode the patricians were kicking up such a stink about them becoming consuls because
1: of things like, you know, consulting the auspices. Am I wrong? Am I misremembering that? No, I don't think so. (laughs) And yet, so this piece of information has come in part from studies that have been done on this position. Right. So there is a little bit of confusion, not going to lie. Yeah. And we have these two threads like, these separate threads coming together where we've got Livian Dionysius telling us that, you know, these consular military tribunes shouldn't be able to engage in ritual activity and that's part of the deal. We want to keep them away from that side of things. Yes, But that doesn't seem to be necessarily the case looking around the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so this is part of the problem. So I think this is a point for argument Mm -hmm. and it's potential that scholars are going to disagree on it as well. But certainly... They don't have the capacity to then gain entry into the Senate. Yeah. Which is kind of like a thing that would be nice. And they're not allowed to hold a triumph. Right. You know, there are certain limitations on what they're able to do. Okay. So that's, yeah. They're not exactly consuls. (sighs) I guess I can live with this. (laughs) And and then we get to this situation where we've all of a sudden we've got these three military tribunes with consular power, and they're all patrician apparently. Yes. And then um, we have this situation where something seems to have gone wrong with the auspices. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> almost the, instantly something goes wrong with the auspices. Yeah. I mean, as you said, like I get the sense
0: that 444 BC started off quite smoothly in mm. that you know this, the internal situation with Rome is settling down. And I guess with these, you know, three military tribunes, they're anticipating they will use them to go to war with they, as well as to deal with the A-Queens and the Volskians, as well as to deal with the revolt at Ardea. But exactly as you've highlighted, they are not in power for more than sort of three months before. They don't, yeah.
1: they don't do anything. They're in power for yeah. 73 days, apparently. <laughs> wow, that's very precise. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dionysius. Yeah. 73 days. And then they have to voluntarily resign. Yeah because their omens haven't worked out the omens prevent them from being able to continue engaging in public business. Yes and it's the augurs yeah. who,
0: who seem to have pointed out that there was a problem with the election and the problem was that Gaius Curtius <laughs> Gaius Curtius, who was apparently you know the guy in charge did not correctly choose the ground for his tent for <laughs> the ceremony.
1: Damn it. (laughs) Talk about
0: pitching a tent in the wrong place.
1: (laughs) All I have to say on this, I think, is that I sense a bit of a conspiracy from the patricians it would seem that way that they don't want this to happen and they're finding alternative means to make it impossible yeah like what are the chances after all of these years of pitching the tent in the right spot in the right way (laughs) that this would be the year that somebody
0: fluffed it yeah, I'll just explain quickly as well what this whole tent business is because that probably Please sounds do. really weird. It sounds like they're probably, you know, like going camping or something like that. Not quite. We're talking about something that I believe the technical term is a tabernaculum, mm. Mm. which was uh, erected over uh, the Templum and it basically marked out where the ceremony was going to take place. And there was some sort of opening in the roof through which you could observe and look for the flight of birds. Yeah, okay, so sounds you, good. Yeah, if you didn't do it properly, you're in trouble. You can't see the birds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you're in a bit of a bird doo-doo.
0: Hello, Alfred Hitchcock. I'm
1: having some trouble with my birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, problems afoot. Yeah. Those guys leave pretty early. Yeah, well, you know. You
0: <laughs> <And> win <When laughs> some, you lose some.
1: They yeah. are replaced lo and behold, surprise, surprise, by consuls. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. And so that leaves us, and we're in a roundabout what seems to be, for me, it's, the date is not all clear. I'll be I'll be level with for you. For me, this is definitely 444 BCE. Yeah. yeah. It, it's 444, but maybe it's 441. Um, okay. Well, Dionysius gives us the Greek dates, uh. and they are the names of the archons, and that doesn't tally up to where we are in the Roman numerical system as we've been sort of going through it. Anyway, never mind that. We've got new consuls. They're called uh, Suffolk consuls because they don't take the year name. Yes, yes. Um, They are Lucius Papirius Ooh. That's just (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) What a name. And Lucius Sempronius at Ratinus. Another one of those, eh? Yeah, so... Uh, and if you've thought oh, that name sounds vaguely awkward and familiar, that's because his brother Aulus was one of these military tribunes with consular power who just had to resign. I'm just going to add in a little bit of extra detail here, Dr. G, if I may. Please, there is actually
0: dispute in my account about whether consuls or military tribunes should take the place of the guys that had to step down. So they are not letting it go without a fight. Okay. And there is actually an Interrex in this, in Livy's account, whilst they're obviously deciding what they want to do and then also holding the elections because otherwise there's, you know, nobody there. And who should be chosen as the Interrex? None other but our old friend, Titus Quinctius Capitolinus Barbatus. Oh, the yeah. bearded man. He has held the consulship many, many times for those who are keeping score at home. <laughs>
1: Well, you definitely have more detail than me. Uh, Dionysius does mention that we've got an interrex; doesn't say who it is, uh-huh. but that there is a swirling sort of conversation going on about whether there should be consuls or more military tribunes. Yeah, yeah. Given the situation, it hasn't gone well the first time around. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the gods don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I think I think that in Livy's account, he talks about the fact that. Even though they did fight over this, it seems like the plebeians kind of give up a little bit because with the patricians having been chosen to be the first set of military tribunes, I think the tribunes and the plebs have had the wind taken out of their sails a little bit. And so they're kind of like, well, I guess it's probably going to be patricians who are military tribunes or consuls. So, you know, what is, whatever, <laughs> what is kind of the point in a sense? And they'd also rather be part of an election where they actually, you know, really counted as serious candidates rather than an election where people were looking at them going, Ew, you're inferior. You're gross. Get off the stage.
1: <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Yeah, look, I feel for this period for the analyst historians that we're reading. Yeah. So Livy and Dionysius, I don't think they've got too much information to go on, or at least the story as they give it to us doesn't feel like it adds up very well
0: no and that's probably because they're making something that was probably quite a complex and maybe slight lengthier process and you know what they're telling us it was they're making it maybe a little bit tidier a bit a bit neater a little bit more compacted than it perhaps was. and i think they're yeah.
1: trying to find their way through while also keeping their allegiances and political their own political perspective intact oh i believe there's definitely an elite perspective coming through my account this year <laughs> Likewise. Yes. And so and Dionysius does let us know that there are some problems with the analytic records that he's been consulting ah, interesting. for this period. Okay. He's like, some of these people are not recorded in all of the annals. Right. These names don't crop up everywhere. Mm. So we've already got some gaps and we don't know how to fill them. Mm. And we also get a sense in which there's some confusion about who is holding what position. Mm. Are these people military tribunes with consular power or all, are they consuls? Right, We're not really quite sure when we start comparing the different annals. And so this means that Dionysius is telling us that he's going out and he's looking at these different Lists yes. Of who's doing what in what year. Yep. And he's like, look, the lists are not congruent depending on which list you're looking at. Yeah. We've got some issues here. So he's telling us he's doing his research. Yes. But he's also acknowledging that he's not really sure what to make of the gaps that he's coming across. Well, to be honest, I would rather that he did that than pretended that everything was fine.
0: Uh, and interestingly, Livy also has a bit of a moment like this, but it comes through... In a little anecdote, he tells us about Ardea. Do you have anything about Ardea or shall I launch right Oh, please go
1: into Ardea. I have a little, but you go. So
0: whilst all of this stuff is going on internally, ambassadors from Ardea arrive in Rome, basically continuing to bitch about the decisions that the Romans had made. If you're not sure what decision I'm talking about, please see some of our previous episodes, but basically the Romans had made a terrible decision territorially by the Ardeans
1: been a bit greedy and taken it for themselves. They had taken Ardea, and Ardeo, the uh, local Ardean people were not happy about that. And historically they're different from a different language group. They're quite a unique people. They're not far from Rome, Mm. but they definitely don't want to be Roman. And the Romans took their land and was kind of like, deal with it. (laughs) And the Ardeans were like, no yeah and conflict ensued yeah so the the romans are aware
0: that because not everyone was in favor of the decision to take their territory the romans are aware that the Idaeans um have a just claim to restoring their land and they can also tell that the people of ardea will stick to the treaty that they had with rome and remain like a friendly people if the right decision is made oh okay. ouch okay threats
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean they're not so much saying this i think it's just that it's clear that this is the situation you know they're obviously just unhappy at this temporary situation which doesn't have to be this way but the senate felt that well the people did make this decision and we've never overturned a firm decision of the people plus it's a really awkward time ambassadors because we've only just tried to you know appease the plebeians it's really tense between the patricians and the plebeians right now might not be the right time to set a precedent for overturning a decision made by the people and so they asked for a little bit more time and they promised the ardeats that they won't be sorry if they have been patient they just need more time to talk to the people, and it's at this moment that they sort out all their internal stuff. So it's at this moment that that election of consuls and everything takes place, and you've got an interrex and all of that kind of stuff. Once all of that stuff is sorted, they end up having the treaty of, with Ardea renewed. Okay, and this is where Livy brings up documentation. Ooh. yeah, because he talks about the document of the of this treaty with with and he talks about the fact that it proves that these men that we talked about as coming in as the Suffolk consuls did serve as consuls, even though their names were not included in ancient annals or list of magistrates. Oh. Okay? And he talks about the fact that, okay, well, maybe their names weren't included because the year began with military tribunes and therefore there was some confusion about whether to include their names or not or whatever. And he also says that he was using Licinius maker or Mesa, if you want to have a, a soft C there, he mentions him saying that these were the names of the men that were on the treaty with Ardea, and that these are the names also found in the linen rolls held in the Temple of Monat- Moneta, I think it is. Oh. Yeah, and I presume that this is the Temple of Juno Moneta, which was erected on the Capitoline Hill in 344. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, just as a little bit of extra detail, I believe that this also later housed a Roman mint. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. So Livy's telling us that one, he's done more research. He's gone and looked for additional documents beyond the annals because it does make sense that the consuls of this year would their names would not be recorded in the annals. Yes, because they're not serving as the first consular magistrates yes and so they could have been left off particularly yep. if the romans this is kind of like a rare thing to have happened yeah it's like how do the romans navigate that i they don't have a, a way of doing that yet yes they haven't formed their tradition as it were indeed and this temple so i mean we're looking at a temple that's built nearly a hundred years later yeah Mm.
0: Well, I mean, it's obviously, that sounds
1: really suspicious, but Livy is also writing hundreds of years after the temple was found. Oh, yeah. I'm not disputing that it might contain, it might end up containing pieces of writing that are 100 years old. Yes, yes. But yeah, it's obviously, it's a tricky thing as well, like how that preservation is happening.
0: Yeah, and it's not clear. Livy doesn't make it 100% clear that he personally saw the treaty with Ardea. I think I get more of the impression that maybe... It's Licinius Maker or Licinius Mesa, whichever way you want to say it. Yeah, he's reading Mesa and Mesa has he's he's seen it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And the linen rolls might be the thing, I suppose, that maybe he's consulted. But given that that temple is erected in Rome, you know, Livy's not Livy's not Roman. He's not renowned for going traveling mm. for source material, but he's also not, it's not impossible that he, you know, he saw it, I suppose. He may have done. He may, yeah.
1: Maybe he went on a research jaunt. Maybe he mm. did. We, yeah, we have yeah. done that ourselves. So. <laughs> so I think that kind of wraps up this relatively complicated year of... 444 it does and and even though we had all this threat of
0: warfare Livy is very clear that actually things are pretty calm even though there are
1: threats there are threats but there's no actual warfare yeah it's kind of amazing how it seems that everything is built up in this sense of the threat coming from all directions and yet We don't hear anything about any of those enemies really advancing on Rome. And even Ardea sends ambassadors first. It's like, they're not going to war yet. They're having a preliminary discussion to decide whether it's worth their time. Yeah, no, exactly. It is like, oh my God, the tension is built to such a fever pitch. And nothing happens. And nothing. Nothing happens. Which also may make one suspicious. Yeah,
0: I think so. But, you know. We, we know that that's the kind of pattern that our accounts tend to follow. <laughs> the drama of it all. Indeed. All right. So that means that, Dr. G, I think it is time for the partial pick.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Covering for me that I left my phone in the other room.
1: <laughs> I am the sound effect.
0: Indeed. All right. So our first category is. Well, I hope you remember because <laughs> I don't i'm terrible I'm at um
1: our first category is military clout military clout yeah. i think that's a big fat oh look let's explain where we are first yeah they could win rome could win 50 golden eagles they could. it could be very impressive Yeah. chances are they won't because i'm about to give them zero on the first category that's right no military clout whatsoever no there is none of that all right
0: expansion
1: Oh, that's a, <laughs>
0: that's a big zero, a zero as well. Although, I mean, they, they do restore the treaty with a day. Oh, but yeah,
1: maybe they expand their minds. <laughs> uh, diplomacy. Oh, well, I suppose the treaty does count as something. And there is quite a diplomatic moment there, isn't there? I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, maybe, I mean, it. it's a diplomatic moment that the Romans are almost creating for themselves because they made such a terrible decision the first time around. <laughs> So I don't want to go too high.
1: Yeah, but maybe a five. I think a five is good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've got a five. And also, because they kind of make that decision on the back of not wanting to upset the people that are already very upset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Wittus. us Ooh. Mm, no. Are not you, really. Are you Are you sure? I mean... I'd... I, I mean, I haven't seen any standout characters come mm. forward and do anything particularly brave. But you could say that the plebeians who nominate themselves to be military tribunes with consular power are showing a really sort of uh, masculine sense of ambition, which might be valuable, even if it is completely turned down. A valiant <laughs> argument, Dr. G, <laughs> but
0: I would still say No. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to help them out. No,
0: look, I, I don't think uh, I don't think there's enough to go on. No. Yeah. All right. Sad times. Indeed.
1: Okay. The, the citizen, citizen score. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh well, I mean, it, it definitely has been worse to be a Roman citizen than in 444 BCE. This actually, I mean, as is often the case, I think the best used
0: for citizens are often actually the most boring because <laughs> there's no when war. it's good
1: for the people yeah that's conflict what I mean. like, is low <laughs> yeah there's no war the
0: the patricians seem to be sensitive more than they are usually to treading on people's toes i mean they're still horribly elitist but they don't want to stir up the internal strife again they so they try to hold it in a little they're bit. trying to they're trying to rein it in a little bit not openly gag when they see a plebeian you know <laughs> So I kind of feel like it and might be... And also having the opportunity
1: to hold a position with Imperium That's attached to it. pretty... I mean, this is a major moment. Yeah, even yeah. though it doesn't really seem to come to fruition as far as we can tell. Yeah, the promise is the, there. Yeah, you yeah. know, all of a sudden, good times are potentially on the horizon. Yeah, so I...
0: And obviously no actual conflict in spite of the threat of conflict, so... I actually think it might be like a seven. Nice. Okay. That means, Dr. G, that our Romans have ended up with a glorious total of 12 out of 50 <laughs> golden eagles. Oh, guys, scraping in with another losing score. <laughs> well, you know what? I actually, it comforts me because it, I was actually a bit worried when we first started doing the partial peak that, you know, they would peak too soon. Uh, ah, yeah. no, they're definitely, no, it's going to no, take a long time for them is. to peak. <laughs>
1: it is. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Dr. G. It has been an absolute pleasure, Dr. Rad, as always. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Partial Historians. I am Dr. G, and on behalf of Dr. Rad and myself we want to send a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. Your support helps us invest in equipment to improve the sound and hopefully start to do a little bit more exciting stuff on the side that might be a little bit more visual. Watch this space. But for now we'd like to say our huge thanks. To some of our longtime supporters, Savannah, Dana, Zara, Adri, Tamara, and Justine. All of our amazing patrons, whose names start with the letter R, Robin, Richard, and Roman. And to our newest supporters, Hillary and Lucas. Thank you so much for adding your love into what we do.